Welcome to Making Sense of Parenting. This show is dedicated to helping parents change chaos, confusion, and struggle into calm, clear connections with their kids, all in a way that aligns with their faith. Hey there, I'm your host, Kelly Shoup, helping you navigate the bumpy road of raising kids. Let's dive into today's topic. Why you should allow your kids to be naughty. That is the topic we are going to cover on our show today. It's going to be fun. But first, I want to cover two things real quick. The first thing is my 4th of July hot sale, $40 off to have access to me for a month with weekly group coaching calls and lots of resources from my professionally college-trained occupational therapy degree, which is a different lens than most um, parenting experts, coaches have. Um, And then you'll get resources based also on my 20 years of experience working with lots of different kids, lots of different families, private school, public school, homeschool, preschools, and also the experience of me as a parent myself. With my three kids, I have a son and two daughters who are currently 18, 16, and 13. So I've got just a long history of lots of different things. And so for you parents, it's a great deal because you get me for a month and you're exposed to what an occupational therapist does, what how my brain thinks, and how it would apply to you in parenting your kids. Okay, so go do it, because I promise you, I can give you immediate relief in a struggle you're having with your kids. I'm so passionate about parents having it easier. I want your connection, peace, and harmony in your family And I want to help you achieve that because you absolutely can in a really simple way. And I have lots of different strategies to help you do that today. Like the membership feedback has been immediate relief for struggles that parents are having, that they've been having for a long time. So they've been dealing with some struggle for a long time. And after talking to me, they can put something in place that day that helps them. That's what I want to do for you. Go sign up. Second thing, next week, I'm doing a free food workshop. Do you have a picky eater? Do you struggle with a child who is starving and then sits up at your table and does not touch food? Or how about have you ever had a child who's really hungry and loves everything that is on their plate that is served and they take a bite and spit it out? Take another bite, spit it out. It's a nightmare. Makes mealtime a nightmare. So again, I've been in this space for a very long time dealing with families and oh, so many kids and the ways that they can make feeding, food preparation, and mealtime challenging. So I am going to give you strategies to put in place that day to help you at mealtime. And 
this is such a big topic because it affects you multiple times a day. You know, I have parents who are like, I don't enjoy eating anymore because it's such a battle. It's a power struggle at at least three times a day. I know I'm going to struggle with this particular child in this particular way. I want to give you new tools that will be different, that will not have you dreading every meal with your young kids. It does not have to be that way. And I actually want it to be a peaceful time of connection. Why does that matter so much at this young age? Well, because I want you to understand that I'm playing the long game. So I want you and your family to have mealtime be a positive, looking forward to engaging in connection thing. Because when your kids get older, when they are teenagers and in college, you want that mealtime to be, it's going to be a way you connect with your kids. When they're off to college, you're going to be in town for parents weekend and Sunday before you head back home. You want to have breakfast with your child. But if there is so much anxiety and tension and stress around mealtime that could have started when that child was four or five and you were so worried about how they were eating, I don't want that to happen in these young ages because I want to set you up for success in regard to food and mealtimes for those later ages of the development of your kids because we got a long road to go. And this can be easier. So free food workshop, go sign up. It's going to be next Wednesday. If you cannot be there for the live workshop, we're going to record it. So you can find it later. You can listen to it right after you've had like this biggest mess of a meal time and you're so frustrated. You're like, okay, finally desperate enough. I'm going to go see if this lady has anything that will help. And I promise I do. So go sign up. It's free, free, free. Okay, back to naughtiness. This is so fun. I like talking about this subject and I'd like to let kids be naughty. And I have to confess, I'm often on a lot of people's naughty lists myself. So first, I'm going to give you two ways that it is beneficial for you and beneficial for your child to be allowed to be naughty, to be mischievous, to be a little bit bad. The first reason is because it is healthy, normal growth and development. And most parents are like, what? It is not. No, like they are not supposed to be bad. So just hear me out. So again, in the young ages, as we're growing and developing, we are expanding. So in the ages of three to eight, especially, there is so much stuff going on with those little bodies, but they are expanding. They are expanding physically. They're learning skills. Their legs are getting stronger. Their balance is better than it was last month. And their fine motor skills, their ability to manipulate and, you know, hold a crayon. Well, now they're strong enough. Their legs work well enough and their fingers are good enough that they can actually climb up in the kitchen on that counter and get into the cupboard, the high cupboard that has that little latch on the thing that holds the M&Ms. And so they're like, wow, I can do that myself. This is amazing. This is incredible. 
they're getting independence. It's freedom. It's how God wired us to grow and expand and have abundance. There's so much stuff out there. So it's not naughtiness that is motivated from being bad, wanting to be a delinquent, wanting to be a problem and um, to, you know, have an impact their parent or grandparent or nanny or whoever in a bad way. I 90, I would say 95% of the kids that I work with over the years, it doesn't come from a place of intending harm. It, it comes from a place of learning and curiosity and discovering what they can do, discovering if they like it, um, exploring, does this feel like me? If I climb on top of that cupboard and reach super high, is that scary for me or, or not? For some kids, it's not. For some kids, they're like, that. no way, I could not climb up there. Even though I have the skills and I have the ability now, that feels so scary and unsafe. And so again, we're working in flow with how God designed us. So we're similar in that the ages, the stages, the components of our physical body are the same, but also unique. So my temperament, my natural inclinations, kind of my safety, would I risk that to climb up on that counter? That's different than somebody else's. And so... It's both and. We're going to take all of that into consideration. But I want kids to be able to learn and discover and know themselves. Does this feel like me in my physical body? So they're expanding physically and then also expanding intellectually, socially, emotionally, mentally. Again, such big growth. So they're like, oh, I said this word, I don't even know what it is, but whenever I say this word loud, mom has this huge reaction. Now the word is a cuss word. And so of course mom is going to be like, where did you learn that? What? What? But the child is just figuring out cause and effect. So they're like, okay, cool. Whatever this word is, when I say that, man, that gets a big reaction from everybody. Like the world stops when I say this word. So they're like, I'm going to say that word. They're just trying to figure out how, how they're impacting their environment. Like what happens when I do this? Oh, that's bad. Or Ooh, what happens when I do this? Oh, my little sister laughs. What happens when I do that? Oh, big brother's like, don't do that. That's trouble. So they're just, we're learning and growing. And this is expansion. This is healthy development. And so it's going to happen. And when parents squelch it, try to minimize it and don't allow it to come out, it's going to come out anyway. And I am such an encourager. I say this phrase all the time because I'm me. I know who I am. I know what I'm made up of. I know what works well for me. I know what feels right completely in my body, like integrity, moral. Um, but registers in my nervous system, my safety system. Like I know this feels good to me, right? And so I want young kids to be learning this from a very young age. It's so important, parents, that you let your kids figure out, does this feel okay? Is this right for me or is this not right for me? So let me give you a couple other examples. So, you know, in 
I'm helping parents and families working with parents a lot, but I also work with kids a lot. And so I love this space because they're trying different things. And so I had a little boy who I went to see and he's like, hey, hey, kiddo. So I often refer to other kids that I'm working with or to the kids that I am working with as, hey, kiddo, what's what's up? Or let's do this or, you know. So this little boy was trying that out. He was trying it on for size. What happens when I say, hey, kiddo? Now, his mom was like, oh my gosh, how disrespectful, you know? And so I let him call me kiddo for like a week. He was trying it on. And I I told mom, I said, it's okay. I want him to kind of learn, like, what is this? Technically, it's a little naughty, but it was fine. Because again, I, I want this expansion. I want this discovering about themselves. So important for kids, parents, all of us to know ourselves well. When we stay true to what feels right for us, how God designed us, it's the easiest. It's the most in flow when we're going with what that flow was that God created us to be. So he was trying on, hey, kiddo. Okay, I had another um, little boy who I'll often tell the kids that I work with about the other little friends that I'm doing things with. And so I had one kid who was like, oh my gosh, how are your little friends? And it was with this attitude. It was absolutely adorable. And he probably did that for, you know, I don't know, a couple months. He would throw that out every week when I worked with him. Totally fine. I wasn't going to shut that down. Again, he was trying to figure out, does this work? I don't know. So cute. I had another boy who was in a family of all boys who told me he was like, you know what? I really wish I could be a girl because then I would get to wear earrings like you do, Miss Kelly. Those look really great. And so I said, oh my goodness, you want to try them on? So I handed him my earring and I, you know, he was little four, so his ear was small, but I took him into the bathroom and I put this very earring on him and I kind of re-ran the wire so I could just fit it over his ear on top. And then I said, oh, let's look and see, does this look like you? And the look on his face was like, oh my goodness, that is absolutely not me. That shiny sparkly thing, that does not work for who I think I am at this age and stage. And so he was like, no, don't want to be a girl anymore. Good. He's a, he's a boy. But again, I'm not um, put off if a boy wants to wear a little bit of fingernail polish or if they want to try on an earring because they're just trying to figure out who they are. And when we can guide them in that and help them see, oh, that's really not you, that's a good place. They know more who they are. And then we're going to go on down the road. Okay. The story about me that I want to share is when I was in kindergarten, I went to a Catholic school. So I was starting in a Catholic school. We had a uniform. We had a particular color of shoes that we were required to buy. Navy or brown was the color. So my mom took my sister and I, and my brother was, I'm sure, baby at the time, to the shoe store. I wanted red shoes that had an owl 
the animal a little owl on the side, red with an owl. My mom was like, no, that's not on the list. Those are not, those aren't the colors. No. So I ended up with the shoes. Either one, my mom gave in. She was like, I'm too tired. I don't want to battle this. Just get the red shoes. Number two, she understood natural consequences and knew if I get the shoes and something bad happens, we're just going to have to deal with it. Or number three, that maybe this is kindergarten. Like this is her first year at this school. Maybe the kindergarten teacher is going to let the red shoes slide. I don't know. Anyway, red shoes. I wear them to school the first day. I love them. They are feel so like me. Okay. This is kindergarten for me. Still me, 50-year-old me right now, I love bright colors. I wear lots of color. I have lots of shoes that are bright. And in Texas, I have way too many pairs of cowboy boots. And they also are not brown or black or navy. They are red. They are snakeskin. They They feel like me. So back to kindergarten. I'm in school, day one, no problem. Red shoes, all okay. Second day, no problem. Red shoes, nobody says anything. So I'm like, this is awesome. I get to be me in my little red shoes. This is so fun. Third day, I'm in line and I can still see it so clearly. It traumatized me that um, I am in line and this nun comes by. Black habit, stern face, big, tall, taller than me. Of course, I was five. I was little. So she comes by and her arm reaches out, grabs me, pulls me into a classroom and yells at me about my red shoes. So guess what? No more red shoes. So my mom dyed them, painted them. I don't know whatever you do to shoes, but they were navy from then on. And it was such a bummer. And I was so upset. And, but I'm thankful that my mom was okay with me breaking the rules a little bit because I learned so much. And so that's why I just encourage you parents, just be open to breaking the rules just a little bit because your kids are learning during that phase. Another thing is some kids are total rule followers. And you know, if you have one of these kids, and so they will, they freak out. If they have to break a rule, sometimes it's necessary. Um, for whatever reason, they have so much anxiety. They feel so terrible. They feel so guilty. So for those kids who are such strict rule followers, you also need to help them break a few rules and be a little naughty. Because again, the goal is having kids who are adaptable and flexible and not so incredibly rigid in always being perfect, always the best behavior, always following the rules. Because sometimes we do have to break a rule. Uh, Helping kids understand that. Okay, second benefit to allowing your kids to be naughty is that when we create or orchestrate a safe, controlled way for them to be naughty, to be a little mischievous, to break a rule. When we allow for that, um, then we do not get the unwanted, at the worst time, unexpected explosions of 
naughtiness. And so again, part of that learning and growing and expansion is also emotionally. And so, you know, they're learning, okay, how do I handle this emotion of frustration or anger because I can't do that. But when we allow it to come out in kind of a safe, controlled way, then it doesn't come out in this burst of explosion of anger. Okay, so we can create ways, and we're going to talk about that right after this, in ways that your child can be a little bit naughty and experience some of that release of frustration or whatever their emotions and feelings are, but it doesn't lead to a you know, a disaster in a social setting for you or some unexpected, spontaneous way that it comes out in it that that you don't want at an undesired time. So I'm going to tell you about um, a little boy that I had in, um, this is a few years ago, I was working in a preschool. And after the half day preschool got over, I was leading a fine motor class. So we were working on handwriting and 13 kids in this class. And I had a little boy who was struggling to sit still in his chair for the 45 minutes we were in this little class. He was struggling to have the fine motor skills to hold his crayon or chalk or whatever we were working with that day. And he was also struggling to form whatever we were working with Play-Doh. He couldn't make the circle, he couldn't form the letter A, whatever it was. He was really struggling that day. And so one minute, everything was fine. All 13 of us, 13 kids working at the table, it's all good. And the next thing I know, this little boy is just like, anger is pouring out of him. And he starts throwing chairs, throwing the little preschool small kid chairs. They're wooden, they're kind of heavy. So I am quickly trying to ask him to stop. He is not having it. He's kind of beyond, you know, reaching. He's not reasonable. He's just in this rage, five-year-old rage. And so I'm shuttling all the other kids to the carpeted kind of area where I knew they were going to be safe. So I'm in between these other kids and this boy who's throwing chairs. And he was so unhinged. And I just kept saying, hey, hey, let's calm down. And he threw three or four more chairs at me. And I was slowly walking towards him, speaking in a calm voice. Hey, hey, I'm here. What what do you need? What are you trying to tell me? So at one point, he doesn't have a chair in his arm. So I quickly moved and just gave him a hug. Not a super tight hug. I just contained him. And said, listen, I got you. Hey, it's okay. Now, because I'm me and I understand the sensory system and all the different, you know, emotional systems and self-regulation systems in the body, I also knew that hug was containing him and giving him proprioceptive input that helps everybody's nervous system regulate, get back to a calmer state. And so I was trying to do that in a physical way while calmly talking to him. And it did work. And then a teacher, two classes over, heard me and came down. She was like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe this. Why weren't you screaming for help? I don't know. I didn't think of that. Like, I was just, I knew to get my other kids safe. And then my focus was just on kind of de-escalating 
just all these feelings that were coming out of this little boy. So long story short, um, after this incident happens, of course, we're meeting with the parents, the regular teacher, the school administrator, like it was a big thing. And um, when I, I met with the parents and they were darling, but this little boy showed up at preschool. He was the first boy to be there at 7.30 in the morning. So you could come before school actually started. And he was the last to leave at the end of the day at 5.30. Parents both worked, both successful, hard charging. And again, I'm not judging. I don't judge any parent for anything. That is not my role. But this child was at this particular school from 7.30 in the morning till 5.30 at night. And dad's comment was, well, we're busy. We've got stuff to do. He needs to be busy and learning and focused because we've got, this is our success standard later in life. And again, this is a well-intentioned dad. And so I completely understood. And I said, I, I get that. And I respect you and how successful you, you are. But this is a young child who does not have a fully functioning brain. He does not have a nervous system, a sensory system, a physical movement muscle system. He doesn't have an emotional system. He doesn't have a capacity to function at five years of age from 7.30 in the morning till 5.30 at night like you do at 40. And so it was just kind of describing in a way different than what um, he had heard before and what I thought. And because, thankfully, I think, because I was the one in that situation when it happened instead of a teacher who might understand her training is different than mine, obviously. So I was just able to say, hey, listen, I get it. Like, I know you want him to learn and grow, and he will, but he can't do it on the level that a 40-year-old does. He can have really good success and feel good at the five-year-old level. And that's what I can help them understand. So it was fine. And, um, you know, the mom was, she was shocked. She was like, why, why were you nice to him? Which was what the little boy was kind of stunned when I hugged him and just kind of gave him compassion. Because again, I could tell his system was completely, he was blown. His emotional all of it. He had been trying so hard. He couldn't get any of it right. His little body, which is so typical of boys when they're, you know, when they need to sit, their bodies are wired for activity. At young ages, they need to be active and move and all of that. And so um, anyway, I just, you know, understood. And so it was, it was fine. But all of that is to say, that if we give our kids little doses of being able to get out that emotion, get out that frustration, learn and grow and discover about who they are and what stuff feels like in their body, and um, that is incredibly healthy. And then we avoid those other explosions and outbursts. So right now, I want to quickly give you um, a few things that you can do that your kids will feel like they are being naughty or bad or mischievous. And I'm always telling parents, you do your version of it. So for your family, what feels right for you, what's going to work for you, 
do that. I'm always supporting you in your specific family, unique to you and your kids. But today I'm going to give you some things that worked for me. So for me, when my kids were young, um, we spent a lot of time in the car. Dallas is a big drive city. So we're all in car seats. We're all in seatbelts. And my littlest one, when we were taking the other to school and picking up, she spent a lot of time in that car seat, five point harness, clicked in all, you know, restricted. And so they would be frustrated after a while. And I understood that. So we started to do, it was basically, you know, um, a stop of the car. And it was kind of like musical chairs around the vehicle. I called it a crazy car chase. And it was unexpected. I didn't tell the kids when I was going to do it. I would stop on a street that has like no cars, probably a cul-de-sac that nobody was in. And I would just stop the car and say, oh my goodness, crazy car chase. And we would all get out of our car seats, get out of our seatbelts, and we would run around the car crazy and release just some of that constriction that, um, again, that just being held back. We would all express it and it was fun and we would laugh. And then that energy would be released and we'd be laughing and then we'd all get back in the car. They'd all get back in their car seat and get clicked back in all five point harnesses and all the stuff. But it was just, again, me understanding. I understand how frustrating these seatbelts and car seats are all the time. I get you. I want my kids to know I get you. And so I can find a way to give a little bit of release and it worked and I still do it. I still do it with my, my teenage kids. And I tell you, we love a good crazy car chase. It is fun. And so try it and tell me if it works for you. Okay. Another way is to um, allow your child to use a hole punch a Sharpie marker, or maybe the stapler. Like usually those three things are totally off limits on dad's desk. And they're like, oh yeah, that that's a rule. I cannot use that hole punch. Well, I actually carry a hole punch in my um, bag that, you know, I go to all these schools and work with kids because it's such, I mean, they're like, oh, I could use the hole punch. Okay, this is going to be so cool. I'm going to see what's going to happen. And I stick the paper in here. They love it. It feels so um, just naughty to them. Like, oh my goodness, this feels so good that I can break a rule because there's no way dad would give me his hole punch or the Sharpie marker. So just little things like that create that feeling of, ah, I'm breaking a rule and this feels kind of fun. But it's a very controlled way that is safe, which is so good. Okay. Another way is to eat ice cream before dinner. Now I usually have dads or grandparents or aunt and uncle. They are the perfect people to allow your kids to break the rules when their, your kids are at their house, because I have to hold the line at my house But I want my kids to experience, you know, just being a little bit naughty. So when they go to grandma's, grandma's like, yep, you want ice cream before dinner tonight? They're like, yes. So it's little things like that. Again, that we're just providing a little bit of release, a little bit of that discovering, curiosity, growing, learning about themselves in a safe way. Um, Another one is 
I think this has been on my Instagram, but also um, in the the monthly membership portal, there's an activity that is um, using bread, a loaf of bread like Play-Doh. So you're going to use bread to make, you know, shapes and all of these things. I love it because we're building skills, fine motor skills, and it's um, it's somebody usually has bread in their house. So if you need an activity to do, you can use a couple pieces of bread and have your child work with it. Well, I also love that um, it's a little bit naughty. Like when kids are at my house, we don't play with our food. We aren't forming bread balls because we're eating it and I don't want to waste food. But if you're at grandma's house and she gives you bread that you can make balls and go out in the backyard and have a bread ball fight and also eat that bread ball. That is so fun. It's a good way to get that naughtiness um, fulfilled a little bit and kids feel good with it. Let me give you, okay, another way would be um, pillow fight on the bed. Another thing you could do is allow bubbles inside the kitchen or something because bubbles can be so messy. But if you have tile or some way to get those bubbles wiped off, a lot of times that can give that little bit of, oh, we got bubbles inside and it was so fun. So again, I want to normalize and express and acknowledge that kids, we all have a need to when we feel constricted, constrained, to get kind of frustrated and to let it out. Oh, another example I was going to give is going to the public swim pool in the summertime and they, you know, they, they call an adult swim or lifeguard swim. So all the kids have to sit on the edge of the pool. Okay. I would just like, that was the longest 10 minutes of my life seeing my three little bodies sitting on the edge of the pool. And I know they were all thinking, okay, I so want to get in. I am hot. I, you know, and they put more and more of their body, their leg, now their arms. And I was like, they're going to fall in. Mine are going to be the one that are going to mess it up. And then we're going to get, they're going to blow the whistle. I'm going to be embarrassed. We're going to have to sit out. So um, for a while, I had a swim pool at my house. So um, Will was playing baseball one season and it was so hot and it was crazy. He, he was young. Uh, anyway, hot. So we would come home from baseball games and I would let the kids jump in the pool with their clothes on. And just, it was just this release of, they were used to being held back on the edge of the pool at the public pool. And I was like, no, we are jumping right in. Are we hot? Do we want to just go right in and not have to wait and not have to change our clothes? We are jumping in with our clothes on. And so it was fun. And we learned about, wow, when you swim in your baseball uniform, that is heavy. It kind of pulls you down. So again, we're learning, we're discovering, we're figuring out. Do I like swimming in my baseball uniform? I kind of have to work harder to stay on top of the water. Would I rather get my swimsuit on? So it's things like this that, again, we're allowing the naughtiest for learning and for the benefit of your child. And so let me know some ways your kids are naughty and it's good for them. A little bit in small doses helps them so much. Last thing. Okay. Go sign up for my membership. Also free food workshop next week. 
gonna be recorded. You don't have to be there live. You can get it later. Both of those, you can click the link, go to my Instagram, Kelly K Shoop. It's in my link tree. You can find me. Did you like what you heard in this episode? If you did, please share it with a friend and be sure and subscribe to the podcast on your favorite app. Reviews are always appreciated. As a reminder, my show is also on YouTube. In YouTube, search for Kelly K. Shoup. That's K-E-L-L-Y-K-S-H-O-U-P. Be sure to click the subscribe button and hit the bell for all notifications. To learn more about my work, helping families, or to contact me, go to kellykshoop.com. Again, that's kellykshoop.com. Thanks so much 